One of the things I'd like to talk about today is the stuff we've travelled to see. But I don't. We have to be very careful when we talk about this because we don't want to sound like we're complaining that we're travelling all the time. Because oh, even though yeah. even though it can be a ball ache, I, I know it can be. I think readers, listeners would interpret that as like, well, you've got a really cool job. How can you possibly? Oh, be- I couldn't agree with you more. So anyway, you start. Where have you gone recently that was fun? Okay, well, I haven't really done a lot of traveling this year, but I, w- I would like to talk about um, a thing called IFA, which is I-F-A, but it's pronounced IFA because it's in Germany. It's And it's actually this massive show that's here in Berlin. And it's not just audio. It's like, Isn't that like a home entertainment show? Well, it's everything that's home electronics. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, but it's, it's enormous, Jeff. If you can imagine like, uh, you know, those big like movie studio hangers that they film, obviously film movies in, right? So it's a bit like that because it's, it's hosted at this old broadcast station um, about 10 kilometers from where I am sitting right now. And so there are these big hangers that they have converted into this like, exhibition center. And there's like 20 of them. So to, even to walk one end to the other takes you half an hour without any stop. And so, for example, like Sony will take over an entire hangar or hall and LG will have one. And then, I don't know, I can't think who else would have their own hall, but I think Harman had a massive section. Um, but generally, the audio is only in like w- one hall upstairs. And even that's massive. That's like the size of, say, the Can Jam in Denver at Rocky Mountain. So that kind of room space just for audio, but it's mainly mainstream brands like Sennheiser, Banger Olufsen, Biodynamic, and then a whole bunch of others, Yamaha, very headphone centric, very mainstream, mostly. Cool. No, no. Have, have you ever, have you ever gone to the big hall at CES? Yes. So it's kind of like that, but bigger. Okay. And oh, wow. So, okay. so but, Here's the wacky thing is that underneath this hall where all the audio is, is a hall that's just dedicated to kitchen appliances. And they're giving like cooking demos and things like that. That sounds like fun. Well, what I love about Aoife, Jeff, is that even though the audio component is kind of small, it's normalized. It's not some kind of weirdo thing at the edge of town. It's integrated in this whole sort of exhibition about all the, the, the possible electronics you could buy for your life. So it's not nice. this add-on, you know? I mean, there's not, like I said, there's not a lot to really get your teeth into for an audiophile. If I didn't live in Berlin, I wouldn't go. But I, I like it because I can cycle there and cycle home. So it's 20Ks there and back, so about 14 miles there and back. Um, and it's good. So, I mean, that's a short trip that I've made that I've I've found enough to kind of write a few articles about um, on my site. Sony released a the latest version of their absolutely fantastic Bluetooth noise cancelling headphone. Uh, they also released a 9,000 euro, 9,000 euro. That little cool player yeah. with the gold knob on it. It's not little. It's like the size of a, of your foot. <laughs> it's enormous. Oh, it looks really little. Like, I mean, I the, the, know. Pictures, the pictures are kind of deceiving. I thought it was Very. like the size of an Estelle and Kern or something. Exactly. I thought the same as well. And so I saw it in the flesh. And it's got it does uh-huh. come with a it does come with a carry case, but it's it's kind of comedic. It's like the size of say a very small bookshelf speaker. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's it's big, so it's not gotcha. really yeah. So that was that was interesting to see. Biodynamic have got a very awesome, cool pair of um, awesome, cool. Who says that? A very fantastic pair. A very nobody says very fantastic either. Biodynamic have a a very interesting pair of noise cancelling headphones coming that sound wonderful. Um, RHA were there, iFi Audio were there, saw those guys. Um, what else was really interesting? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Technics were teasing the launch of um, a forthcoming CD player, SAC oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, right? yeah, but it's got, that's what I, okay, but it wasn't there. No, it's, it was there in prototype form, but it's got a streamer inside. So it does Chromecast and Spotify and a few other things. I thought that was interesting that they're actually introducing something that you would think is would be out of fashion and on the way out. But CD players seem to be being introduced more frequently of late. I don't know whether that's anecdotal evidence or not. I don't know how you how you see it, but well, they said vinyl was a dead format, so sure. But I mean, 
I think haven't um I mean who's who's introduced I mean NAD have in, introduced a CD player recently I, I mean it's not Pioneer my did too right Pioneer NAD now you've got Technics coming next year um but it's got a, I think the interesting thing is it's stream, a streamer inside I think that's very cool yeah um so that was at IFA right so that was okay. my local local thing I'm I'm going to go there every year don't have to travel that far so I'm going to fling it over to you and you can tell me a story about or tell us a story about um, one one of two things that you've traveled to see recently, Jeff. Well, um, I went down um, a couple of years back. Well, actually, it's more than a couple of years now. It's probably about five or six years. We reviewed the big Sonus Faber flagship, the Aida. Mm -hmm. And those things are enormous. I mean, they're, right. they're, I think they're 605 pounds each out mm. of the box. And when they sent them here, it was, you know, it was, they had to send two guys out to unpack them, set them up. You know, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a lot of work for them really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just sat there and watched them do all the work, but it was, mm. it was a tremendous amount of work for them. And mm. when I was chatting with the Macintosh guys or the source Faber, or the Macintosh group guys, um, I had recently gone to, um, gosh, where did they send me for barbecue? St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And they they did a presentation of the new little Sonus Faber speakers at um, this really cool uh, office building that was dedicated to music, and they had a live recording space and all this stuff. And mm -hmm. we they even had custom Sonus Faber speakers used as PA speakers, which was interesting. And they had uh, mm -hmm. they had some kids playing that were in some international violin competition playing violin so you could hear it real and hear it through the speakers and it was it was a pretty exciting it was a pretty cool way to listen but we mm -hmm. started talking about you know aida review and of course you know for any of these guys you know not only is it a lot of work but it's tremendous expense to ship you know two thousand pounds worth of stuff here and tell me so, tell me jeff are these this the Aida, the speakers that they launched a new version of in Poland last November, or am I mixing yes. that up? With yes, okay. those it are the those. ones there. I think they're about, um, I think they raised the price just slightly from 120,000 a pair to 130. So they're um, about as tall as me. I mean, I'm two meters yes. tall. And yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. But, okay. So I know how big they are now. I can picture but them. A substantially bigger waistline than you. So, um, <laughs> well, that's, you know. yeah. Okay, so, so sorry, I just want to make make yeah. sure that I'm understanding what it is you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, the discussion came up, and I said, mm. well, you know, seeing there in Berkeley at Samico, and mm. I've been in that room a number of times. I'm very familiar with the room, and it's all audio research, ref electronics, powering the whole thing, which also very familiar with. I said, hey, why don't we make this all easy, and I'll come to you for a day. Mm -hmm. And... You know, that was really fun. And the new Aida is, you know, it's it's not a dramatic night and day improvement, but it's definitely, you know, more refinement. Everything the old one did, the new one does better. Mm. Um, it's easier to drive. It's huh. easier to set up, easier to place. Um, and the, the room at Samika really sounds wonderful. Um, you know, Will Klein, do you know Will Klein at Macintosh I, Group, Samiko, all that? I don't. Oh, I don't know him though. Nice guy, you'd like him, and okay. and he's tall, which you'd also like. You yeah. could you could see eye to eye, and yeah. uh, you know he's done a great job of setting up the system there. Mm -hmm. So it was really a nice, uh, really a nice day to just and that's again just like you. That's a, I think Berkeley here flying into Oakland is hour and twenty five minutes. So it was a nice quick trip. Oh, Saw everybody there. Yeah. Um, and uh spent the whole solid day listening didn't have to do that oh it's got to be in my room in my system and la 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 so well, I'm, I, just, uh, I'm one of those guys jeff i, I I'm, I'm really fastidious about this i am like if it doesn't if i'm not if it's not in my house i can't possibly say anything reliable about it that's my take on the audio world but i understand sometimes muhammad sorry the, the mountain has to go to muhammad Right. Well, you know, again, in this case, only because I've been in that room a number of times mm. and all the electronics related were all things I was very familiar with. I mean, if they would have had, say, all 
uh, if it would have been in a strange room with all Mark Levinson gear, um, yeah. I probably wouldn't have done it, you know, <laughs> but, um, and, and, you know, rem it, it's always hard to remember what stuff sounded like. I mean, my God, it's hard to remember what I ate for lunch a month ago, but, um, you know, you, you, when you've, when you've heard a number of products from a certain manufacturer, you get kind of familiar with the character. Mm -hmm. um, I went back, looked over all my notes on the original and, um, and I'd actually, I'd actually heard the, the original Aida's. I have a friend here in town that actually has a pair. So mm -hmm. I listened to his the day before I went out there and, mm -hmm. um, and he's got all audio research refs. So, eh, you know, it was pretty easy to connect the dots on that one. I mean, I okay. can't always do that, but in this particular case, it, it just made more sense. And especially, you know, with these really, really large speakers, you know, they really do require a lot of effort for everybody to make that work. So, mm. and, and again, at, at that, at that price point, you're certainly not going to go buy a $130,000 pair of loudspeakers, or at least I would hope you wouldn't just based on what I've had to say, I would think you would be, you know, you'd want some pretty up close and personal if time got, yourself. I would suggest that if you've got that kind of money to spend on speakers, you've got the money to fly out to Berkeley to hear them yourself. Sure, sure. Even exactly. international. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So, totally. I mean, it's, it's a kind of it's a it's a ballpark that I don't operate in, and I'm, I'm not on about just the price point. I'm on about the size of those speakers because I can. They probably wouldn't even fit through my front door. Well, actually, they, they would. But I mean, my my front room is my listening room is like six meters by five meters. It's not enormous, and there's no way I could accommodate a speaker like that. It's just not. It's just not my thing. So I can, it's a good way for me to, it's an easy way for me to filter out a lot of the stuff that I don't have time for, right? Because you oh, sure. have a filter. So, um, yeah, that's like, but I think people who are spending that kind of cash, they can travel. Like, I think they need people like you and I less. Than, oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I, I think, I think in a case like that, all a review like that does is pique someone's interest. That's yeah, just, all it does. Right. Because right. quite honestly, when you when you write about a product at that level, it really just pisses everybody off because we get that, <laughs> yes. you know, you get that cranky pants thing. Well, I'd never buy 130, you know, I'd I'd pay my mortgage off before I spend 130. It's like you don't get it. The the, the man or woman who is spending 130k on a pair of speakers isn't sweating the mortgage or the car payment. You know, right. so it's a different and and, you know, I always feel that if you're having to review a product like that, you have a real responsibility to that that reader, because, I mean, they've got the money to write the check. They seriously yeah. want to know, well, how does it compare to, you know, this, that or the other thing? And mm. but it, you're you're really I think when you write those reviews, you're you're writing a review for. 15 people and right. you know and i mean and we again we've always tried to really break it up i mean for example and i'm going off topic a little bit here okay. um, one of the really fun things we're listening to my guy gerald o'brien we pulled in for our budget column is mm -hmm. this 299 pioneer a20 integrated oh i've seen that yeah yeah good it's pretty damn good i mean okay. for 295 Right. Crap. It's got, you know, That's it's cheap. got a, yeah. it's got an MM phono built in. It's got a yeah. headphone amp built in. Um, it's, it weighs about, I think it weighs almost 20 pounds. It's pretty substantial when you pick it up hmm. and you know, that's pretty nice, actually. I mean, it's a cool that to me, that's just as exciting of a component, you know? Oh, so I, we, I would suggest that's more exciting because you, I mean, the, it's easier to, like it, it makes more, it has the potential to make more people happy. Well, exactly. And it's such a great place to start. You know, I mean, there's there's not that many things at that price that are that are any good, you know, and this thing's actually got some serious sound quality. I mean, you, you know, grab a pair of Elax and a DAC and, you know, you're rocking. It's it's cool. So, you know, again, I when 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 we do get the real cranky ones about the expensive stuff, you know, my answer is always, hey, you know, we're we're reviewing plenty of, of reasonable and approachable and affordable and 
you know, wherever you happen to be, it's it's all good. So, so what what's the model name again, Jeff? The Pioneer what? A twenty. Twenty. So is it twenty watts a channel? Um, I think it's. No, I'm looking here. It's fifty. I think it's a little more than it's that. I think 50. it's like fifty. Yeah, it's like 50. forty or fifty. Yeah, I wonder if that's into eight or into four. But we'll, I'm gonna. I'm just. I'm just. I think it's into four. I think it's it fifty is. into four and thirty into eight. Okay. All right. But that's still. I mean, you know, that's still totally acceptable for that kind of price point. Um, sure. It, you know, it's kind of like a modern um, NAD thirty twenty. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. That that looks yeah. I mean, you can't tell from looking at it, but it, it doesn't look shoddy. It doesn't look small. The remote looks fairly comprehensive. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah. totally. Good off-topic diversion, Jeff. I quite like that. So, uh, and what else have you? I mean, because you've been traveling more than I have. So, you know, where else have you been, and what have you seen? Let's see. Went to you know, kind of tying in with that show that you went to. Mm -hmm. um, I went to this, uh, this was a Martin Logan event where they were introducing all the new Dynamo subwoofers. Mm -hmm. It was a store in just a, uh, it was in, uh, in Dallas. It's called Star Power, um, Star Power Home Theater Audio Home Automation, la la la. These guys, this was one of the coolest hi-fi stores I've seen because it was, it was a huge store mm -hmm. and they had a lot of home theater a lot of custom install stuff you know um they had they had a couple rooms for two channel but then they had three or four rooms for custom kitchen um custom flooring custom lighting all of that so oh, okay. you could you could go there and buy a subwoofer you could buy a refrigerator you could buy um you know a full super awesome gourmet kitchen and and they said that they got an awful lot of crossover where you know someone sometimes people come in for a dishwasher and buy a big screen tv and sometimes people come in for a pair of martin logans and they buy a kitchen too and i i liked the way they they combined it i mean it was a beautiful store the people were very knowledgeable mm. in all aspects of everything they sold. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that was kind of a kind of a cool, uh, kind of a cool setup over there. So talking of crossover, I've got a bit of a tangent for you then. So okay, Cedia, right, the show that was just in San Diego is a traditionally a custom install show, right? So it's for for custom installers to go and check out the latest audio gear that they can take their screwdrivers and drills and go and fit, right. fit those homes, right. But one thing I noticed, right. noticed this year, was there's a a great, a larger number of what we would call audiophile manufacturers. But not only that, Focal, B&W, and Kef all debuted a new pair of, uh, sorry, a new range of uh, speakers there. So, yes. and that is at a custom install show where nobody's really going there to listen. Then everyone's going to check things out, talk. And there are the occasional listening rooms, I believe. I've not been, so I, I don't really know. But it's not like your traditional hotel room, sit down and listen and shut up kind of audio show. It, it's like a proper, it's, it looks like a proper convention, very much like IFA. Yes. And, yes. and, and more, it, I think more normal. <laughs> yes. No, well, you know, quite honestly, I didn't make it to Cedia this year because mm -hmm. I did get I got a really bad cold at the last minute yeah. and I didn't want to I didn't want to be that sick guy on the plane coughing on everybody. Yeah, you'd be the worst. And <laughs> so I stayed home. Okay. I didn't want to be that rude tourist. Yeah. And but I can tell you, really over the last really over about the last four or five years, mm -hmm. Cedia has been steadily taking on more of a Two channel yes. home audio in addition to everything else they do. I agree. I'm, I'm thinking about going next year just because of that. Not be, not, yeah, necessarily, I, not necessarily because I want you know there's going to be untold product launches, but because it's a, it's an event I've never been to before. So I like to kind of share that with readers and viewers because I'll make videos as well. Um, and so it's something else. It's something different. And what I'm really interested in is these events like IFA, like Munich like Cedia that are not held in hotels, but in convention centers or exhibition centers or venues that are more conducive to the kind of traditional, no, that's not the right word. Well, I guess it is like a traditional kind of exhibition where people build slick stands and they put stuff on display and they are there just to talk about it. And if you want to go and hear something, go to your local dealer. 
right? So I, I, I quite like- For the most part, yes. And one of the things that I really like about that show mm -hmm. is that they're fairly strict about making it an industry show. Mm -hmm. So you don't have a million people. I mean, I don't know any way to say this without it sounding wrong, but you don't have a million people floating around at the show that really have no business being there. Well, basically what you're saying is it's not it's not for the man in the street who wants to go and and we'll get to this again in a minute actually, who wants to go and okay. audition a piece of gear. Exactly. I, mean, I don't think audio shows are set up for that anyway. I don't want, I necessarily right. want to get into that too much. I mean, we could do if you want, but like, I mean, no, well, no, you know, I mean, yeah. Anyway, so I don't think audio shows of any kind of audio show is very good for auditioning gear. In fact, it's no, but I, so I think once you kind of remove the sort of this pseudo audition that takes place at audio shows, you can move to a different venue and therefore have maybe potentially a different demographic. I'm, I'm still thinking about this a lot. You know, I'm just watching what's going on with these events. You know, like ISE in Amsterdam this year is like the European version of Cedia. It's kind of more home install stuff, but there were a lot of hi-fi manufacturers there. And next year I might go, although I think it's moving to Barcelona in two years. But um, anyway, there's these other shows that are not hotel shows. They're like proper exhibitions that I think cater increasingly more to the stuff that we're into two channel sure stuff, right? and well and again i i just think that i think the crossover is always really important and really critical yes. and you know i mean it's everybody's so challenged for time these days i don't know i mean especially again and not wanting to get too much into the rat rat on the shows thing mm. But, you know, I don't know how much time people really have to just do one thing, mm -hmm. you know? So I think mixing, putting a few other things there that you might be interested in, I think that's a smart thing. And I think it's always a smart thing to um, jog people's, you know, interest or memory and go, oh yeah, I need that too. Um, you know, it can't hurt. It really can't hurt. So Well, also, these things are kind of mentally connected. I mean, you don't just have, I mean, a hi-fi system, well, not in my house, doesn't just sit there in isolation. It's part of my right. life, just as like my fridge is part of my life. Although my hi-fi system is far more important to me, and I get more pleasure from my hi-fi system than my fridge. But, but not when you're hungry. Not when I'm hungry. But well, anyway, but it's still, it's just, it has to integrate into how I live I mean, obviously, like I said before, I can't accommodate enormous speakers. So I have to fit that which I can accommodate into my life and therefore my job. Um, and all of this, what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is this is determined by my lifestyle, the, the size of my apartment, my income, all of this stuff is interconnected. To just think that audio sort of is somehow sits as this, I don't know, like it. In its, own, in its own little bubble, yeah, is just bizarre. Yes. I, I, I can't, I don't understand that. So when audio shows are just audio shows, well, I can sort of understand that, but it doesn't help the cause of, you know, these things are part of life. I think, you know, these kind of big tech shows do more for that. Um, well, and I think, I think for a long time, maybe not as much now, but let's say five, 10, even 15 years ago, mm -hmm lifestyle was a real dirty word in this industry of ours. It is, but yeah, I, yes. But lifestyle, you know, some Stephen Mejia said to me, Stephen Mejia, who used to work for Stereophile and then what now works for AudioQuest, he said to me, but John, being an audiophile is a lifestyle. It's still a lifestyle choice. You have the audiophile lifestyle. It's like a lifestyle is not something other people have. We all have a lifestyle. It just differs. <laughs> Right, exactly. And okay, so is there anything else you've been to see, Jeff? Like any other cool hardware launches, or I mean, well, one thing that I know you've written about or did that the cool video on are those little key speakers. Ah, oh, yes, yeah, they're absolutely fantastic. They're not they're not that little. Actually. I went down. Hmm. Well, I mean, in comparison, I mean, yeah. compared to the Aidas, they're little. <laughs> yes. um, you know, but. Um, I was down, I was in Texas again mm -hmm. to see Steve Daniels at the sound organization. And he's the 
the yeah. North America yeah. importer for those now. And he's actually sending me a pair for next issue. But, mm -hmm. you know, I spent a little bit of time listening and I thought, wow, what a great, you know, what a great solution for somebody who doesn't want a home full of hi-fi gear, but still wants great sound. And also if your room is problematic as well, because obviously with a cardio dispersion, it, right. it, you know, it, it minimize, they minimize the, the wall reflections. So yes. I, I think that it's, I think they're one of the most exciting developments in audio in a, well, so probably since I started writing about it, which is not that long ago, I mean, it's eight years, and I can't talk about centuries, and I don't creak when I talk, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, those, well, keys, me either, you know, those it's, keys it's, yeah. are but no, I'm with you. Yeah. I think they're, I think that's an outstanding product, mm. you know, and, and really quite reasonably priced because I mean, here in the US, I think they're 15K a pair. Mm -hmm. But, but also, I mean, to, to call them loudspeakers, I think sells them short because they are a complete system, right? Yeah, it really is a music system. Yeah, it's so not. It's not just like a pair of speakers. I mean, I know that that's what they look like, but you can connect the key remote, which is an extra. Oh, I forget. I don't want to quote the price because I'm getting it wrong. I don't, yeah, want, I don't remember either. Don't want to upset anybody. We're getting it wrong. But it's an extra remote. Then you can plug in like digital sources like USB, coax, Toslink. And that, even a turntable. Uh, you mm, can you? Don't think you can. Yes, they had a turntable hooked up there. Really? Oh, maybe it was through the um, XLRs on the back of each speaker, though, Jeff. Not through the key remote. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You know what? You're right. Yeah, but yeah. there you are. You can do, you can skin it different ways to you know to make them work for you. Um, I I've never I haven't ever used mine with my turntable setup, but I should. I will. Um, but yes, they're absolutely superb. Did you hear them with the the BXT base module, or did you? Did yes. You... Oh no, not with the base module. That's coming. Yeah, right. That's. I think I'm going to get going to get a pair of those next year. But yeah, because so those are what you're using as references now. Uh, no, not really. And I'll tell you why. I mean, I do use okay. them here and there. It's because because they've got A to Ds and and DACs in them. Uh, I find that readers and viewers have a very hard time believing that they are that system is is entirely transparent which i find gotcha. i find really bizarre because like for example let's take let's take this setup i've got a pair of keys and then i've got a preamp going into the xlrs and then connects that preamp i've got a phono stage and then i've got a turntable right now if, right. if i change cartridges on that turntable you would reasonably expect to be able to hear the change through the speakers, right? That would be perfectly normal. Yes. But if we take away the phono stage, take away the turntable, and I've got a DAC going into my pre, going into the speakers, and then I change the DAC, again, I, I've done this. I know that I hear the differences in DACs, but people have a hard time somehow believing that or getting their head around the fact that an A to D and a DAC inside a speaker or inside any system is completely transparent to what's going in or at least reflects that the upstream changes so i i use them here and there but i, I went and bought a pair of harbots a very traditional very kind of um i don't know maybe you call them an old man speaker but i, I really like them in certain respects no, i just think traditional yeah. is a good word I mean, okay. the, the, yeah yeah that's so bought, that's a i bought a pair of those just so i could do reviews of passive speakers so i didn't get emails from people going well you know john i love your deck review but you ran it into those keys and i don't believe that they're they're gonna you know you're double decking what like what does that mean <laughs> so oh i know you know so it's just it's a but but these are the same people that'll buy a piece of vinyl and they'll be all excited about a piece of vinyl that came from a digital master so whatever well, yeah you that's know, it's, so that is exactly it right so and that, don't even get me started no, on that no so. i know we should go there with this because you know your vinyl has already been through um an a to d and a DAC right? It's, it starts as a digital master. So it must've been A to D from something or right. it was a digital recording. And then it goes through a DAC and then it gets out onto the, is it onto the cutting head and on the lathe goes from there, but it's got to be. Have you ever been, mm. have you ever been in a major recording studio? No, but I have been in, in a vinyl mastering studio. So I have seen vinyl cut, but I mean, all the who's, who's, can you say whose place you were in? Yeah, it's, um, and a place called Emil Berliner Studios, which is here in Berlin, is actually really cool, right? Because it's in 
it's in this in the same building that um Hansa Torn Studios. Well, they're still there, but not as big as they once were. But this is this is the same building where Bowie did Low in Heroes and U2 did Acting Baby. So it was really cool to be in that same building, you know. So I know the guy that's Well, so anyway, sorry. Yeah. So you know from being in a in a facility like that. Mm. There's cables and there's all sorts of crap laying all over and there's racks full of effects. And mm. I mean, I remember I was in uh, years ago, I was in Metropolis mastering in yep. outside of London. Yep. And those guys, too, they said, they said, man, if these audiophiles saw how much we did to the signal and how much we looped it around mm. and all of that, they'd freak out. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's, you know, so. I mean, one more set of A to D, D to A. I don't know. I I think I think that key system is kind of like it's 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 the non-audiophile audiophile system. It's very high performance audio for people that aren't geeky about audio. Exactly that. You know, it's for somebody who's got fifteen twenty grand and wants to know what's great that I could get for this money without having to filter through untold possibilities of. DACs, amps, passive speakers, cables, doesn't want any of that because here's a one, you know, like a one stop solution. Bang, I'll take that. Thank you very much. Perfect. You know, and I you think know. that's what's I find. I mean, you get people that complain, oh, I can't choose my amp or what happens if they break the whole thing has to go back. It's a bit like your car, isn't it? You know, if the, if right. the clutch goes, you can't swap out your clutch. You have to take your whole car to the shop. That's normal. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, and yeah. <clears throat> pardon me. And, and you know, chances are, I mean, it's modern technology. You know, it's probably not going to break. Right. I mean, how much, how much of today's modern gear really spends that much time in the shop, especially stuff that doesn't have vacuum tubes under the hood? Um, so that that brings me to the second topic that I want to talk about today because we're talking about okay. Metropolis and A to D's and faithful to the source, right? I want to uh -huh. talk about a very thorny issue for some people. Hit me. Right? You ready? One word. Accuracy. Now, I'll, I'll start by kind of steering you into this. I mean, you probably know where Okay. Okay. Steer away. So when you know you you read about like you read a, a review or a comment or whatever, and somebody says this piece of gear I thought was extremely accurate or true to source or I don't know like um, have, you know highly transparent. Now I understand that these you know the, some speakers or amps can communicate a sense of this, like you feel like that's the case, but really when it comes down to it, you can't possibly know. You can't know what went on in the studio, what the engineers were hearing behind the booth. And I guess, you know, when I always think about when manufacturers are making gear, like speakers or amps or whatever, they're designing their gear. If, if, if accuracy is their goal, they're shooting blind. They're trying to, you know, voice their gear to sound like what they think um the studio engineer's version of accuracy might be, right? So everyone's got their own version of accuracy and everything is colored. No, I, you know, honestly, on many levels, I've always looked at speakers as like paintings, mm. okay? Or fine art. Right. Some people like Andy Warhol, some people like um, Norman Rockwell, mm. some people like the French Impressionists, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, but one thing I have to say, I mean, if you've, I guess... If you're listening to anything, at least for me anyway, mm. if you're listening to anything but either solo or small-scale ensembles of acoustic music yeah. that's unamplified, mm. it's kind of hard to say, this sounds like a violin, this sounds like a piano. You know, right. um, Some things seem to do a better job with that. I guess for me, the word is oftentimes is more um, natural yeah. than accurate. It's to do with tone, right? You know? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, which, which, you know, drives all the measurement guys crazy because I'm always like, well, 
what's the measurement <laughs> for, for that? Right. Yeah. You know, and mm. there isn't one. And I mean, again, Sonus Faber sounds one way. Magnapan sounds another way. Um, Focal sounds another way. I mean, one thing I have to say that um, the late Dave Wilson used to do that I always thought was pretty impressive. Mm. He has had a very large listening room in his home. Mm. I would, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess his listening room was about, I mean, you remember being my, to my place. Yeah. His listening room was probably about the size of my whole studio out there, wow, about okay. 24 by 36. Yeah. And what he used to do when he was doing final voicing on a Wilson speaker, mm -hmm. he had some people from the symphony that would come over mm -hmm. and actually play on the other side of the room. Mm -hmm. And he would record that and then turn right around and play it back on whatever set of speakers he was doing final work on. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. You know, I mean, that's that's certainly pretty um, dedicated to the cause. Mm -hmm. but, but okay, so you know, right, so, but let's say you've got this sort of small ensemble in your lounge room, right? You have to mic them up, right, to record it. Again, right? you're right. So then, but you get, I think you get, you get a general, you at least get a general direction. I think you get a general direction, and some speakers. To me, some speakers, like for example, the only the only example I can give you that makes sense to me is, you know, when you're when you're adjusting photos in Photoshop, mm -hmm. and there's that little control, there's that filter called the unsharp mask filter, mm -hmm. and if you do that tastefully, mm -hmm. it makes the picture look a little bit better, and it looks like you haven't done anything to mm -hmm. it. Same thing with the the saturation control you can turn that you can you can do it globally you can do it selectively mm -hmm. you can punch the color up a little bit but if you do it too much um you know it's it might be more pleasing to the eye but it's no longer correct you know those those green trees in the background or that blue sky in the background might look more appealing to you as a final photograph with the color jacked way up, mm. but that's not necessarily accurate. Right, but let's say, because I was taking some photographs of a, a pair of headphones earlier on, right? Now, obviously, depending upon the angle with which I aim the camera, um, I could shoot like towards the window or, or like away from the window, and I get a very, very different result, even though it's the same product. So uh, right. I see the microphones that record, even if it's a small ensemble, a bit like that. I mean, you can put the microphones, let's say you shove them all in one corner, which you would never do, right? But that would sound very, you still have like four mics, they would sound very different to if you, you know, space them out evenly in front of these musicians. Or if you, you sure. know what I mean, I mean, people, I guess when people kind of talk about um, going, you know, going to live events to train their ear or, you know, reset, you know, reset their reference. And I, it, it just, I don't know whether it sounds a bit snooty, but it sort of somehow it rubs me the wrong way because I'm thinking, well, yeah, maybe tone you can get a handle on, but depending on your, upon your position in the entire theater, and this is assuming that this orchestra is playing unamplified, you know, across the board, like your seating position will determine your, you know, what you hear, just as microphones will. So, like, which version, like, is it front row center that's the truth, you know, the accurate truth, or is it right. back row center that's right. the truth? Like, which version of the truth are we talking about? And I think it's so amorphous that to claim that some hi-fi product is true to source, I think is, I don't know, it's, I think it's wishful thinking, and I'm being fairly polite here about this. Well, I think it's wishful thinking, but you know we have to we have to call it something. We have to start somewhere. Mm. But this is all right. Know? So let me give you another example. Like so, the, the two things that we've mentioned already: key, three loudspeaker system, and my harvests. Very, very okay. different sounding systems. Very. So different. I've got the harvest at the moment powered by a Hegel five ninety amplifier. It's very good integrated. Like it's superb. But I, I could not. I mean, these two systems could not sound more different and you know like i would say the harbors are probably maybe have a better tonality than the keys but the keys own it on when it comes to dynamics now yes and that was you know that was where i was going to go i think i think the live music thing for me isn't so much that i'm 
tuning my ears to what music should sound like because I mean, I don't listen to a lot of classical music. I mean, I right. I listen to a little just because I think that uh, I think pianos and violins are very hard to reproduce. Mm. I mean, uh, uh, again, I mean, uh, uh, a speaker that can't reproduce violins, the violin always sounds real screechy. Yeah. And if it can do the violin, the violin sounds real natural. But you know what, dude, I'm I'm listening to electronica. I'm listening to hip hop. I'm listening to classic rock i mean okay what does a fender stratocaster sound like it depends on the amp what right what does a les paul sound like what yeah. does yeah you know so um but, okay so i but wouldn't you say jeff because of that kind of music that you're into and i'm the same with you know i'm with you on this is that for you dynamic capable macro dynamic capabilities would be more important in most respects than say getting the tone of a, a violin nailed, right? Like, well, it's just like, for example, as somebody who has always loved panel speakers, mm -hmm. um, it's the same thing. It's it's like as as fun as a set of Magnapans are, um, they don't rock. Right. You know, they just don't rock. And, you know, if you're listening to someone playing an acoustic guitar in the middle of a church... Mm -hmm a pair of Magnapans is pretty cool and they'll do some things that a cone speaker might not do as well. Mm. But if you're listening to, you know, your favorite piece of EDM music, that's got some pounding bass line in it, or, you know, you're listening to even something like ACDC, you can't, that doesn't, that sense of scale isn't there with that speaker. So for me, I think that's a, that's a segment of, I guess musical accuracy that is many times overlooked. But it's also, you know, accurate to what? I mean, so for example, I would, I mean, take the Harbors, for example. Like, we, we, you might conclude that they are, you know, like, like if you if you believe in this stuff, if you if you think you can possibly know what went down at the recording, you might say, well, these are extremely true to string quartets, but I don't find them at all true to Neil Young and Crazy Horse, right? When Crazy Horse, like, rock out. I, I don't find them true. Right. Tr tr like, assuming that, again, assuming I could know, that they don't have a dynamic push for that. They just, it's just not there. So, you know, these things, and I guess this is, um, this is something I've heard Steve Gutenberg say, you know, like, if, if there were an, like, an absolute uh, goal to be aiming for, where all speakers were kind of moving towards this accurate goal, you wouldn't you expect them to all sort of converge around the same type of presentation, but they don't, you know, like all these speakers sound well, because different. again, it, it goes back to loudspeaker loudspeaker as fine art. Okay. Right. Because, okay. Not only that, everybody hears different. So, and everyone has, everyone has, different priorities mm -hmm. yes, so yes, you know so you're you're going to design a i think um i think you're going to design if you're a speaker designer just like with anything you're going to design a speaker to do what reveals music to you and what is exciting for you right and that's where yeah that's you know. where speakers design and that's where they diverge so i mean they're all good at something and some are better than others at certain different things. That, that makes sense, but you yeah. know, I think I think you know a lot. I think a lot of speaker designers they try and voice their speaker to what they think um, the you know the studio engineer might have heard, but they're guessing. But they still they have something in their head in their mind that they're aiming for as well as the measurements to keep them on the right path and stop them making mistakes. But but every every speaker designer is going to have a different idea of what that studio engineer oh, had sure. they weren't there. And neither were you, neither well, were Well, not only that, no one. every speaker designer, um, it depends on, again, it depends on design priorities, mm. okay? You get somebody like, again, like Wilson, where their goal is to damp or absorb or minimize 
every single aspect of the cabinet. Mm -hmm. And then you get somebody like Sonus Faber or Gamut or even Harbeth, mm -hmm. where they tune the yeah. cabinet to be part yeah. of the solution. Yeah. So it goes back to tone. Each one of those approaches has a different, um, a different result. Mm -hmm. And I mean, look at how look at how polarized end users are. You know, mm -hmm. um, one person will tell you Magico is the only way yeah. to go. The other person will tell you quads are the mm -hmm. you know quad fifty sevens. Yeah. That's the only way yeah. to go. And so. I always tell people when they're building a hi-fi system, I always say, I, th I think the two biggest variables in a hi-fi system are the phono cartridge and the speakers. Okay. So if you I, I would say the biggest variable is the room in, the, in a loudspeaker. Well, I'm talking the gear though. Okay. I'm just talking right. the well, gear. I'm not, I agree with you on the room. I totally agree right. with you on the room, but what I tell people all the time is Find a pair of speakers that you really love mm -hmm. that will work with your room yes. and then do the rest around that. But here's the thing. I mean, you just, know? just to stick with this accuracy thing a, a little bit longer, Jeff, like, for, like sure. if I take the same recording and maybe I said this before, same recording, same gear, same speakers and put them in your room and then put the same setup and the same recording in my room, we're going to hear different things. So, Totally. Right. So, it, it, you know, both of them can't be accurate. So the room, what I'm saying is the room colors everything. I mean, I think all gear is colored anyway. I mean, it's like um, always wearing a pair of colored glasses that you can never remove, and just moving to the hi-fi system is just a, a different tint of colored glass. Oh right? sure. Well, and I mean, here's a here's a fun here's <clears throat> a fun experiment for yeah. you if you can do mm -hmm. it. For people who claim the room isn't that big of a deal, mm -hmm. if you can take your speakers outside and play them outside where there's no room interaction, yeah. you could be amazed at at what the difference is. I'm wondering if so. Actually, do you know what, Jeff? I'm going to try and prove this right now. Are you still with me? Because I'm going to I, I'm, I'm going you. to move my laptop and my mic into my bathroom. <laughs> I'm just going to okay. see if I can carry all this stuff. And make Led Zeppelin 5. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not that, there you go. that talented. But okay, so I'm just making sure that I don't, you know, pull any cables or any wires or drop this very expensive laptop. But you can still hear me, right? Okay. Yes. So I've got to move a mic stand. I've got headphones on with a very long cable. Um, so we're moving through now into my hallway. And then I'm, I'm just about to step into the bathroom. Right. I'm going to, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to sit on the toilet. <laughs> so, so the, the microphone is about the same distance from my mouth. It's about, I don't know, six inches, whatever. Do I sound different to you? Yeah. You can hear the bathroom echo, right? Yes. All right. Stick with me. It doesn't sound as good. I mean, you wouldn't put a hi-fi system in that room, would you? All right. I'm going I'm to yeah. go downstairs now. I wasn't planning to do this today at all. I'm sorry if the, the microphone is a, away from my mouth at the moment, but okay. All right. So now we're in my kitchen. Um, if I... You sound much you sound much more accurate in your kitchen. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to show people, like show listeners that the room matters. So now, okay, I'm sat down at my kitchen table. The microphone is six inches from my mouth. If anybody really wants to get nerdy about what microphone this is, this is a Umic. Is it a Umic K1? It's the one that people use for room measurements, actually. That's why I bought it. But I'm, there but I'm, you go. So, do I sound different to you? It's hard for me to hear because I've got headphones on. But yeah, you you can you can definitely you what you what I'm hearing is the change in the body or the richness okay, of your voice. Right. Your voice gets your voice gets richer or your voice gets thinner. Right with the other stuff. Okay, I'm gonna move again. I'm gonna to go to my lounge room where, I, where my hi-fi gear, gear is. Hang on a sec. The sun's gone down, so it's kind of, it's a bit different here now. It's dark in Berlin. What's, what's, what's crazy about that, uh, right? <laughs> it's actually a beautiful sunset tonight. Okay, so again, six inches here. I'm in my lounge room, probably a bit closer to the window. That... Now you sound more flat. 
Yeah, I should sound more flat because this is my listening room. So yeah, that yeah, you sound so more flat. I started in my office. We went through the hallway into my into the bathroom, and then into the kitchen. And now we're in my lounge room where my, my I'm looking at my harbors here. My mouth is like a speaker, right? So if I put my harbors in, in these rooms, they're all every room will have a different sound. So, right. And and if if I didn't know mm -hmm. you and somebody just said, here's three samples of this guy's voice, which one do you like? I'd say that one, the right. kitchen one. Yeah, he sounds the best. Okay, right. But that, that's probably so, best for voice recording. But for, for speakers, probably not so much. But I guess yeah. what I'm trying to get to here is that the room colors things. It also colors the recording as well. So, for example, if you, you know, mic up a, I don't know, like a string quartet and then you play it back at home, the, the, you hope to c capture some of the room of the string quartet, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're the kind of mixing engineer that doesn't want to have the room in that sound at all. So you close mic all the players, you mix it on the board, and then you make the you know, create the recording. So there's no ambient information in that recording, but not everyone works like that. But how can you possibly know any of this when you're listening to something? I get, you see people get a lot bent out of shape about this, about, oh, it's true to source and it's, you know, super accurate. I mean, is it, how, how can you possibly? Well, if that's what, I mean, again, if that's what you want and that's what you're chasing, that's okay. Well, yeah, um, but, but I guess, yeah, but what, I think you're chasing something you could never possibly know. I think it's a, it's a never exactly, but that's why they're all mental. Well, you know how how many how many of these guys and i'm gonna say guys yeah. generically but i mean how many people have you met that are chasing that that actually have any fun listening to music i've never met anyone with that i mean you're you're more than welcome to take that mm -hmm. approach and have that perspective and have that attitude if that's what's giving you joy in your hi-fi. However, comma, I've never, I've yet to meet anyone who's that fixated on that stuff, who seems to be enjoying their music system. So that's a different kind of fun that I can neither appreciate, <laughs> endorse, or enjoy. Well, you tend, you tend uh, to, you, well, I, you, we tend to find that the people who are obsessed with accuracy and talk about, you know, references and live music, they're usually talking about a, a very narrow range of music genres, right? It's usually cl classical right. music. Sometimes it's opera. And this is endemic to the audiophile world, which is why you and I, I guess, stick out like sore thumbs in many ways. Right. Well, not that, but it's just, you know, like, it's why I'm making a big deal about the kind of listen music I listen to at the moment. It's because I, I don't, I don't want to be seen like them because I don't listen to these kinds of these types of music that's not to say anyone shouldn't and i'm certainly not going to tell you that it, you know it's it's just different but i never hear somebody i've never met somebody who's into say i don't know like rem who starts talking about oh my system really captures you know what went on in the studio when they recorded automatic for the people i just don't i just don't, don't encounter that kind of person but when it comes to string quartets god <laughs> You know, he, you just throw a rock in the air at Rocky Mountain Audio Fest, you'll hit somebody who's like wants to talk about that kind of thing, right? Oh, sure. And and again, so then, in order for people like you and I, um, it's almost like we're probably not very useful to that customer. Absolutely, it's about um, you know, like you're you're not the reader for me if you want my opinion right. on something. As it relates to, I don't know, like uh, Stravinsky. I'm just plucking a name out there. Or like a, a Beethoven symphony or whatever. I'm not your guy, right? Go, go and find somebody right. else. I don't mean that. To, I, don't, I don't want to sound rude. It's just that that's just not me. And people say, well, why don't you listen to this kind of stuff? Well, I'm just... Because I don't like it. It's that easy. And and that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean what the biggest yeah. problem with all of this for me None of these guys can understand, no matter how many times I explain mm. this, you know, it's like Ice-T said, I'm tired of explaining this <laughs> shit. Um, it, it really, you know, but, but what it is, is that if you love classical music, that's awesome. I just can't help you. I'm not, I'm not of any use to you if that's what you truly love, because 
it's like jazz, mm. okay? I really like jazz, but I don't know anything about right. jazz. So I can't speak intelligently about jazz. If you said, hey, what are 10 great jazz records to get? I couldn't possibly tell mm. you that. Yeah. Or if you asked me, you know, tell me about the difference between kind of blue and bitches brew. I can't discuss that mm -hmm. with you. I can't I can't give you anything that's of any value. And it doesn't mean that your choice is bad. That's right. It's it's not it's not a rejection. You, know, you just need a different yeah. guy. It's that's not a rejection. All. It's just like I can't help you. But the thing is there are plenty of other people who can because most I would say eighty percent, ninety percent of hi fi writers um tend to base their listening and their reviews on classical opera, jazz, blah, 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 right? Or, you know, chick with a guitar, soft acoustic music. There's plenty of people who can help right. you. I just don't, I don't want to be there. And also, if even if I were to listen to that kind of music because you asked me to, it's not believable because it's not me. It's not authentic. It's just, I, I would be faking it and you'd feel, people right. would see through that. So I'm being really distracted, Jeff, because there is the most incredible I've, can you give me two minutes sorry I, i'm just gonna pause for sure. a sec Fucking hell. pause for a sec no problem See you there sorry sorry yes. about that it's just there is the the most amazing sunset i've ever seen in this city right tonight it's just mind-blowing so i took a photo i'll use it as the header image for this podcast article um so people can see what I'm, the hell I'm talking okay. about. I'm so sorry. I don't normally do that, but it's just, it's astonishing. No. Anyway, sorry. I just, I just hope that my, uh, my camera is true to source and picks up the accuracy of the uh, sunset. Very well. And that's, there's that accuracy. Thing <laughs> yeah, again. Maybe I'll filter you know? it and just fuck it all up. Um, anyway. Well, no, or you'll turn it into something. You'll turn it into your vision. Oh yeah, what my, that was. That's which is right. It's my fine. my vision of what's a pleasurable photo from that particular scene. It doesn't. I mean, if I could, I could just dump it out of the camera and dump it into a photo app and just export it straight away, and that's probably what I saw. But I'm probably going to touch up touch up the image a little bit to make it look more vibrant because it's more pleasurable to look at when I do that. You know. So, well, not only that, it's the same thing, right? Photos are just yes. like sound, yeah. okay? Every chip has a different frequency mm. response. Every lens in front of your camera, the coatings on every lens transmit light a little bit differently. So again, just thinking that what you got on the chip shooting mm. in RAW isn't necessarily what is right, accurate. because everything is colored. This is what I'm trying to get to with this, really. For me, yes. every piece of audio gear, every cable, every speaker, every, every, everything, even even the even the mastering, which I, I don't really see as my domain, but as a story for a different day. But everything, everything is colored. So it's just a matter of finding what you find, but not necessarily believable because sometimes like the reason I bought these Harbeth Jeff was because I had a pair about 10 years ago on loan and they made all the shitty um, um, indie music that came out of America in the late eighties, like throwing muses and sugar and Bob mold and all that. It made all that stuff sound really chunky and fat, which it never norm. It doesn't normally do that. And I love those speakers because they did that and it just made everything like pixies. They just sounded so voluptuous. It was amazing. So I see. Right. And so again, you, you found a speaker that you really yeah. loved and that that's all. It doesn't have full stop. It doesn't have to go any further than that. That's all. Yeah. I just, I don't think, I mean, I, I, a loudspeaker engineer, I can't remember if I mentioned this last time as well. A loudspeaker engineer who's been doing it for 30, 40 years told me about a month or two ago, there is no way a loudspeaker system can ever get close to reproducing a live event. Not even close, not, not even in your wildest dreams can it do that. But yeah, a lot of these, I hear a lot of people talk about, I want my hi-fi system to be as close as possible to the live event. And it's a, I really think it's a pipe dream. I think they're kidding themselves.
You have been listening to the Darko Audio Podcast with me, John Darko, and Tone Audio's Jeff Dorgay.